All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Welcome to Arcadia, uh, the Arcadia Innovation <coughs> Summit, our fifth year now. And this does not happen without uh, Dr. Bernalsdahl ensuring that we put the bill for everything, host everybody, free parking, free lunch, free everything. So if you don't like this session or any others, we do give you full refunds for what you heard <laughs> on the way out. So that's my fifth year of that joke as well. And uh, so here we go. So uh, this story is actually, uh, it's just a great story. Uh, we've only told it once before. It happened, well, it's a years-long story, actually. Um, actually, we have a few of our staff members here as well. I'll introduce them. Our uh, assistant superintendent of business services, Derek Eslin. Welcome, Derek. Mr. James Anderson, who does your titles like 19 different things, right? Yeah. What did we officially call you? I'm coordinator child welfare. That's oh. the short. The shortened version. Thank you for being here, Mr. What Anderson. What do we call you? Yeah. <laughs> we call you a lot of things. Yes, yeah, one of the not. public title <laughs> is what our principal of the high school, Miss Angie Dillman, and then our new assistant principal, who I just met 30 seconds ago. Give us your Michelle Liu. Yeah. Pretty good. And then, not bad at all. Um, okay, so again, appreciate everybody being here. Um, Especially since this is a terrible title for a session, so I, we just recognize that. Yeah. It's real wordy, complicated. It's like, what is it? So I appreciate it. So this, this story actually, uh, we'll go over the timeline. We're going to talk about the process. Um, we're actually going to watch the 10-minute segment that aired on uh, ABC 2020, and we'll get to questions and some of your thoughts as well. So we're going to kind of go through this whole story. But it is a years-long journey. It started before I was even at the district. It'll still continue. Um, but we thought not too long ago it was such a powerful story about helping all students, um, no matter what they're dealing with. And that's why we're all in education, is to help students. Um, and then our process of the whole narrative and what was out there. And we have a lot of um, kind of practical tips and techniques. And we learned a lot from this process, from the education side of it, the policy side of it to the public perception side of it as well. So um, it wasn't a pretty process throughout by any means, but we learned a lot and just wanted to share it with everybody, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I think it's modeling exactly what Katie said this morning. I appreciate the vulnerability is that, um, you know, we took some hits on this, and so we are going to be vulnerable because we're sharing some, some things that we're not proud of. Um, but the process we are proud of is how we took something and we um, took back the narrative. For me, when I talk about the why, the why this is worth telling the story is that we believe that um, as educators, we've been giving our narrative away way too long to the local papers, you know, the, the couple angry people out in the community. And what we do is miraculous every single day in the classrooms with you, with lives, with kids, with names and faces. Um, and we just weren't good at telling that story. And so we went through this process. We recognized that we learned a lot. And by owning it and owning our narrative and taking back that control and that empowerment, um, we were able to do some amazing things um, with that narrative. And so it's worth sharing because I think all of us in public education or private um, need to put some thought behind how are we <coughs> controlling our narrative and amazing stories that we're doing. By now you know the hashtag, Arcadia Innovation. And uh, Dr. Benalist, all myself, are also on Twitter if you'd like to join us there. Clicker. 
Let's see. Do I have to do manual clicking? Oh. So a little bit about me. So I'm the chief communications officer for the district. I've been here about six years now. Prior to this career in public education, I wore way too much makeup, got up way too early in the morning, and covered way too many depressing stories. That is me back back then. Uh, have a BA in journalism. I have a master's in communications uh, with an emphasis in new media and marketing. I'm also the chair for the California School Public Relations Association uh, for Southern California. That's kind of all of us communicators telling our stories throughout the state. So I work a lot with them and advocate for public education and figure out how we can better do that um, as a state. Also taught a couple college classes, do some PR consulting on the side. Um, the really brutal sport of tennis, but I do have a lot of tennis wounds on me right now that are currently healing. Um, so it is more violent than you think. And then I also do, if people are interested in uh, public relations and telling your school story, a podcast and a blog um, that talks all about um, those things. I swear, where did your slide go? It was before. It was the double click, wasn't it? Let's see. Real quick, because you can Google me. Um, but uh, this is my uh, fifth year superintendent, going on 14 years in, in the district, came as high school principal, just looking for a job, moving out from Kentucky, Ohio to Southern California, and, and uh, found a home and, and have stayed. I've been very fortunate to move up through the organization. Uh, been a teacher, counselor, um, assistant superintendent. I'm now the CalSport chair. And very proud of that. Um, something that Ryan and I have co-created that's pretty unique is um, recognizing that the person responsible for telling the story of Arcadia um, should not be getting the information secondhand. So, you know, a lot of places sometimes it's like, we need you to put this out, Ryan, or we need you to communicate this. Um, what we do here is Ryan is on my executive team. He is a part of the decision-making body at the very top of this organization. When it's time to communicate, he doesn't have to ask any questions. He's been through all the process. He knows exactly what we need to communicate, how it, he advises us, and he also brings a lens to the table that is not the education content jargon. He's just asking different questions because I could have really good solutions and implement them in a very poor way that, that looks bad and he keeps me from doing that a lot of the time. So uh, that's why I'm certainly on CalSPR to try to share and spread that message of how we can coexist together in a better way. Father of five, that's three adult children, um, and then I remarried and now I have two uh, six-year-old twins. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> my therapy is, is uh, riding the adventure motorcycles. Uh, spring break, I went out to uh, Utah and spend a week by myself, take the tent and just go off grid, build a little fire and just all of us know how we're all in this relational business and we just give everything we have to everyone. And this is the one thing I do for myself to sharpen the saw and get out and just spend time in my own head. And I advise it to everyone. My wife's the board's not happy with it, but I do it. We don't want we don't like the uh, motorcycle riding too much. So April twenty seventeen. This happened. Can anyone recognize the three people in this photo? Anyone? Oh, is that Caitlyn Jenner? Correct. Diane Sawyer. Who's that third guy? That guy. <laughs> Just hanging out at a picnic. 
and this guy. And so to put even more pressure on the situation, this is actually the shoot that we'll talk to, we'll talk about in a little bit. It actually happened in the our board member's house. This is her house, in the backyard. So add that to the mix as well. So rewinding all the way back to October of 2011, a complaint is filed against the Arcadia Unified School District. So I'll just briefly read this. This is a case summary, and then this is one of the news articles that started coming out, and you'll see an early trend here. So in 2011, the Department of Justice received complaints alleging that during the boys' sixth and seventh grade years, the district did not allow the student to use boys' restrooms and locker rooms. The complaints also alleged that during a district-sponsored overnight camp, the student was not allowed to stay in a cabin with male students and was instead required to stay in a cabin separate from all his classmates. And so then the news articles start coming out. You start seeing words um, in there that extremely, if the student's extremely upset, school district not treating him as the boy he is, um, and then you know district placed him under quarantine. And so this is what's out there publicly as far as what's happening. This is what we're dealing with. And this is also, I believe, day one or day two of your new job. It was day one. The, super, the, the deputy superintendent left. I took over, and the suit came in and said, by the way, here's the file. And there's no less than nine attorneys flying in from D.C., six from the Department of Justice, and uh, three from um, the Office of Civil Rights. Yeah and, you know, please manage it. <laughs> so, and by the way, I want to connect the date, 2011. This was way before there was any publicity about transgender students. I mean, like, there was nowhere to turn to, nowhere to go. There was nothing. There's a lot out there now, um, and we've learned a lot, but this was a new beast. Yeah. So when you see this, you realize that you have so many educators that are trying to help students that what we, that's what we do every day and it wasn't that you know the story of us not treating the student fairly was far from accurate we never had a transgender student transitioning and wanted to switch restrooms use different locker rooms we didn't know how to deal with it so we're trying to navigate both sides of it because as you know in a lot of those circumstances there's fears from other parents other students so you just you have to take all of that into the equation. And so it wasn't, let's mistreat this student, which if you read a lot of that stuff, you would probably think it's, we've never dealt with this. How do we make everyone happy? How do we educate students and make sure everyone's safe? So it's a, so we're gonna fast forward quickly. So two years process of working with the Department of Justice, rewriting board policy, analyzing what we wrote, training, staff trainings, retrainings, um, putting things on our website. And so this was a two-year process, um, working with different organizations, with LAUSD, who had done this for 10 years, uh, working with consultants on all of this process of what the Department of Justice wanted to see in our board policies, at our facilities. Um, so it went great. We did it. We were willing no to work problem. with them. Was there any you know, pushback from us. It, in fact, it was the opposite. It was like, we feel like we do good things for kids every day, but if we're not, help us learn, right? We've never dealt with this. Educate us. Give me the resources. It was, it was a very cordial relationship. And you, when you see that, you have a complaint file that's kind of scary, but it was 
they actually came in and did help us. They provided support, they provided training, they helped us rewrite board policy. So it was a good partnership that really helped us. And by the way, when you're sued by the United States of America, you can't actually win. <laughs> like, so when people would say to me, like, you settled with him? It's like, what was there, is there another alternative? I'm not aware of it. Right? I can't you know? go to war. <laughs> yeah, you know. So July 24th, the case is settled. The Department of Justice puts out a press release saying they've settled this. We, we have this agreement. Um, and again, when you start to read the actual details of it, you know, investigation, allegations, discrimination, um, several years of, of going through this, and that's not really what happened. We were trying to figure this out. No mention of all the staff that were trained, the board policies that were rewritten, all the hours spent on this. I mean, Dr. Benazel spent his first couple of years doing this in his new position. No mention of that, no mention of how successful the student's doing, we since had several uh, other transgender students who are super successful um, because of this work. None of that is mentioned root, in here. The root awakening for me was that um, you, know, you always think people are coming at things the same direction that you are, and that was my assumption is that we're trying to help this child, right? What I learned was, if you find yourself in a case against the Department of Justice, is their job is policy, so they don't really care about this child, that's what sparked the lawsuit, but then their job is to use this lawsuit to then spread a new policy, right? Um, so we're, we're in the weeds trying to help this child and do everything humanly possible to you know, allow them to learn. And then we end up getting beat up because it's, they don't care about that, they, they want to do the, the policy. So they, they want it to look drama-filled. That's the unfortunate part. Two other notes too. So not only did we have this complaint filed, we were the first school district in the country to have this type of complaint filed against us. And number two, it wasn't by the student or the student's family. It was on behalf of an organization that filed the complaint. So some interesting aspects of it as well. So the case is settled and it picks up big news because, again, we're the first school district in the country to have this complaint filed. So the LA Times picks it up. And it's the same thing um, in the stories. Discrimination, uh, student not being successful at school, school district you know, has to do this. Um, they, they talk about what's out from the Department of Justice. Um, so the narrative out there is not good. More stories come out, and this is just a small sampling. If you Google us, don't do it. Arcadia Unified Transgender, uh, especially years ago. Actually, now if you do it, it'll be much, much better. Uh, so more and more stories came out, and the headlines are just not what happened. Um, so that, that was bothersome to us, um, and there was just so many of the stories they kept coming fast and furious. Fast forward a couple months later, late summer of 2013, <coughs> California comes out with AB 1266, the California School Success and Opportunity Act, and it's basically what we're already doing. It's equal access for transgender students, bathrooms, locker room, athletic facilities, all that. And for us, the state is freaking, all the school districts in California are kind of freaking out. What do we do? For us, we're finally like, we're doing this. We have everything in place. No big deal. So this comes and Not and only are we doing it, but we're being successful at it, right? Our students are thriving. Yeah, so, so that was great. And we fast forward a few years. 
our student is thriving, everything's going well, our policies are in place, AB 1266 is not a big deal for us. We're actually helping other districts uh, with messaging and talking points. The funny part about that, and some of you might recognize this, is that uh, we do <coughs> with the poster child. So I was getting calls from superintendents and HR folks all around the country. Every time there was a problem, you know, they, they, a student <laughs> came out as transgender, they're Googling resources, they're seeing Arcadia, they're calling me. And my opening line always was, you realize I got sued, right? Like, <laughs> you're referring to me as an expert on transgender students, and yet I got sued. But okay, I'll tell you what, what, you know, what I've done. So it's kind of an interesting way to become an expert or something. So we do Google alerts for us. So we, you can do a Google alert for your school, your name, or whatever. So every time, many times I got a Google alert for Arcadia Unified School District, it's all these other stories. So whenever they're talking about a transgender issue in school communities, <laughs> It mentioned Arcadia Unified was the first in the country to have a complaint filed. So all these Google alerts, and it's just like mind-numbing. Oh my goodness, that's not exactly the entire story, but it was just a small line in most people's story. So May 13, 2016, if you guys remember this, just a couple years ago, the Obama uh, White House sends out the guidance on transgender access to bathrooms. So now everyone in the country is basically doing AB 1266. Now, what a lot of parents and news media did not realize in California was that we already had 1266 and we were doing this. We're getting phone calls left and right. What are you guys going to do? Is this happening? Uh, what's your policy? How is this going to work? And calmly say, sir, ma'am, we've been doing this for three years. Wait, what are you talking about? What do you mean? So nobody really realized that. But for us, it brings it back up in the news on a national picture and a spotlight is back on us again because people start doing the research and who pops up? <laughs> Arcadia Unified pops up. Um, so, so that was big. So when more reporters are doing the research, we got a call from Lisa Leff from the Associated Press. Said I was doing my research just like everybody else and I was kept coming across your school district and your superintendent's name. And I was wondering if he'd be willing to speak about it. I said, oh, man, let me, let me give you a call back. <laughs> so I talked to David and said, you know, we got this call from Associated Press, which is huge. You know the Associated Press. It's a uh, national organization, and they write a story, and everyone in the country who subscribes to them can take it, whatever portion they want with it, and put it on their own news outlet. So it's, it's a national story. So I talked to David and we had a conversation about, you know, should we do this? It's very political, um, you know, you can split it by political lines and you, we didn't want to get into that by any means. But then we started thinking, you know, let's not get into telling what other people in other states and other communities should do. Let's tell our story and what worked for us because it's a good story. Um, let's stick to that. And so Dr. Van Alsol was willing to do it. Um, and so we did the interview with the lens of not telling anyone what to do. You want to ask us about what worked for us, what we dealt with, what uh, came from it and what didn't. Be happy to talk about that. And so we did that interview um, with the Associated Press. And then a lot of news outlets picked it up. Um, and more by the way, just so you know, like, uh, I'm not trained and the stuff that Brian knows. I'm confident in, in our story and sharing what we've done and work. And 
I can still say things that are going to get spun in a really bad way. And so I don't do interviews without him sitting in the room. <laughs> Either if it's face-to-face -face interview or, you know, even with Diane Sawyer, you might not see him because he's off screen, but he's standing right there and he'll be the first to throw something at me or kick me if I start down a bad way. And it's just being vulnerable. It's like I'm not trained in that. I know my story and I know what to say. And I speak for a living. But I don't always know from an angle of how they're going to take what I say and twist it. So that, that relationship becomes really important. So again, in this story, of course, they go back to 2013, our settlement with the uh, Department of Justice. And then we start getting, you know, and so this isn't actually ter terrible because, you know, this has been the policy in Arcadia since 2013. They've been doing this for several years now. And then the big fear was, right, that a boy is going to walk on campus on Monday, a boy, on Tuesday, they're gonna say, I wanna use the girls' restroom. And that's what everyone was freaking out about, for the most part. And so, Dr. Van Allenstahl explained that, like, we had that same fear here. I know it's everywhere, and parents are concerned about it, totally get it. Um, so he explained in this article, and this is a long article, but this is a piece of it, it's not, it's not the case. Um, you can't do it. There's a process to it. You can't just declare one gender one day, the other. You have to talk to people. We have to set up processes. It's much more involved than that, and that was a big fear. So we started explaining, you know, nothing political, but look, that's not what what it is. Um, so we do another interview. Ed Source. I don't even know if they picked it up from the AP interview you did, or we talked to them as well. Um, but one thing that stuck out when other people started doing uh, the research on this story is this line here, um, and this is what was really poignant for people. What we did was we got the attorneys out of the room and we worked with the family in the school. This got ugly fast, attorneys got in there, but when we started getting to a solution, it's when Dr. Van Alstal politely made a suggestion of the family that day. I want to talk a little bit about yeah, I that? I do, because it's, to me it's the, the best piece of advice that I want to share um, with other administrators or educators that find themselves in this situation. And that is, once you're, usually I get the call from soups across the country when it's like really bad, right? Because they're in that place, I don't know what to do, all the reporters are calling, who can I call for help? So I usually get it at that point. What I tell them is the best thing that I ever did was to pause, slow down, and try to remember what we've been doing since the beginning of time in education, that is we accommodate students so that they can learn. Just period, right? Like, we didn't used to serve breakfast and lunch in school. I didn't get that when I was a kid. When we figured out that if kids are hungry, they can't learn, we started doing that. So if you just view this, you know how to do this. We can accommodate kids without impacting other kids. And But when you get in that fight with attorneys where the school's attorney is sitting there against six attorneys from D.C., we're not talking about the kid anymore. This is just positional, and it's about liability. And I also thought as a new superintendent that um, if you pay for advice, it's good advice. That is just not true. It's just not. I have attorneys that give me really bad advice sometimes because all they're trying to do is cover themselves and the district from liability. That's not a bad thing to consider, but it's not always best for kids. And at the end of the day, what I'm paid for is to, take, to have all that information when I make my decision, but I have to make the decision that's best for kids at the end of the day, and that might cause friction with some adults, but that's all right. That's what we do. So that getting the uh, so at some point in the meeting, and I I wish I could 
tell you there was more thought behind it. But it really, I think it was just years of being a student advocate and sitting in this room with all these attorneys and the parents and the kid. And it's just crazy. It's like crazy making, right? Everyone's just spiraling down. And I just had this moment. I just looked at the parents and I said, could we just get the attorneys out of it? Like, could we just talk? Because, like, your, you, your interest and my interest are the exact same for your child. Could we just pause for a minute and kick them out? And they said, sure. You know, like, we don't have anything to lose. And as soon as all the, the attorneys were out of the room and we just sat and I said, tell me about your job. Tell me what you want for them. Tell me what, you know. And, uh, and we kind of re reset that relationship at a very, a level that we all get. That is, we just all want the same thing for the child. That was the pivot for this whole story. Yeah. So you see in this story, you know, Dr. Bernalzo was willing to do it to help people avoid the pain. He went through, uh, explaining kind of the worst fears and all this, and then that quote obviously uh, stuck out. And who it stuck out to was uh, ABC 2020, and in particular, uh, according to her producers, Diane Sawyer. If you remember back in, oh, I think it was 2015, when Bruce Jenner decided to transition to Caitlyn Jenner, they did a big Diane Sawyer exclusive, and she had the first interview and it was seen by, I think it was 16 million viewers nationally. So it was a huge rating success. There was eyeballs all over it. I, growing up as a sports fan and knowing uh, Bruce Jenner, the decathlete following track and field, was fascinated with the story. Um, and then I may or may not have watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians a few times. So <laughs> I, I knew what he, he was doing at the time. And, so a couple of years go by, and after the first airing of that exclusive uh, with Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner, and then they want to do a follow-up two years later. Um, how is the transitioning going? There's all these rumors, depression, all this stuff. So they actually wanted to do a follow-up to it. In the follow-up, they wanted to do a piece on education. And so basically, we get a call saying, would you like to be a part of this? And this is what they were speaking of. Caitlin had lived inside of me for all of these years. It was a time to let her live. Tonight, Caitlyn Jenner, Diane Sawyer. Life as a transgender woman, two years after the bombshell. Getting an Olympic gold medal, the ultimate male, and also glamorous woman of the year. Come on. Now, the backlash. The politics. You don't give us equality and, and a fair shot. I'm coming after you. But is there a price to living a life fulfilled? Go paper. Caitlyn Jenner, The Secrets of My Life, a Diane Sawyer special. So I'll never forget, <coughs> Sonny called me, producer with ABC. We're interested in doing a story on transgender students. Marty, you know, we keep seeing your superintendent's name pop up and all these things online, your school district. Are you interested in being a part of it? Oh man, we just got through this. You know, things are going fine. And so I talked to David and we're initially like, I don't know, maybe we started just, you know, did the AP thing. We started to get our story back out there and know how amazing our educators are and what we're doing for students uh, so we're like let's we'll consider it 
guy calls back, goes, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's going to be Diane Sawyer. It's, and he started to explain it's the, the, the Caitlyn Jenner follow-up. We're like, wow, this takes it to a, another level. It's not just a normal story on ABC, you know, Dateline or something. So I remember I was upstairs. David was actually with our board members at an all-day board planning session. And he didn't know yet who was going to host it. And so I texted him downstairs. I said, you'll never believe who's hosting this. He goes, who? He goes, tell me, tell me, tell me. I waited a little bit, dramatic pause. <laughs> then I just sent him a photo of Diane Sawyer. And he's like, what the heck? <laughs> so he's like, come down here. We're at the board right now. So we went down there um, and talked to the board and just let them know that this was a possibility, uh, that this may be happening. So this was bigger than just the Associated Press. This is national TV. This is Diane Sawyer. This is huge. The story has passed our community. Things are going great in our schools. No issues. But we had another possible opportunity. So these are the questions that we kind of asked ourselves if we're going to do this. What could come of it? We had an upcoming board election. That could impact that. We had an upcoming parcel tax that we're going out for for $88 million. We didn't pass that. We were laying off 30 teachers. What's the board going to think of this? Our community, um, again, the story has finally passed. What are the terms of the interview? Is it David sitting across from Diane Sawyer? What control would we have of it? Um, and it would, would this be a productive conversation? Or you know, what was this going to be about? Um, and would the risk be worth it? So we're going to take a quick pause here. The first time we did this, it was fascinating. So those were the main things that for us in our school district and our community that we considered. We did this another time. Other districts and other folks had, like for our community, we have to consider A, B, or C. So we're going to take a quick 90 seconds, talk with a neighbor about for you and your school, your organization, what are some of the things that maybe on that list or in addition to that list that you would have to consider as well. Anyone have anything different than kind of our list, our questions that for you, your school that you would have to consider? Similar questions, anything different? Talk about like the safety of the student's identity, but I don't know if that's a big one. I imagine that would probably be. That's, a, that's actually a great point because one of the things that I so appreciate about uh, the student and the family was they never seek publicity at all. And they could have been the poster child for transgender rights throughout the country. They could have sat down with Diane Sawyer. They could have gotten so much media attention, it would have been ridiculous. Not once did they do an interview. I don't think right now you could go online and Google to find out the student's name. So that that's a great point. Um, but it was just amazing hearing, because again, I wasn't here at the beginning of this, knowing that I'm pretty sure reporters searched for who this student yeah. was, a part of this huge case. Um, they never did a single interview. Any other things that you guys thought of that um, questions you may have had? We're discussing now, does anyone know what Bitmoji is? All right, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the other two questions that we initially uh, or we added to our list after going over this uh, when David and I were talking so could this help students could this help other students 
the answer to that was definitely. It could help. To this day. Yeah, it could help a lot of students. He gets calls again all the time from superintendents. Help me navigate this. What can I do? Um, so he's helping students all the time. Um, but then we decided to ask the question: What does the family want? What would they want? Do they want us to do it? And the, as soon as we came up with that, it was so easy. Let's ask the family. If they want us to do it, we will. If they don't, we won't. In crisis communications, whether something like this or something else, I always default to the family. A couple years ago, we had a couple of our students unfortunately killed. Uh, we didn't know, should we publicize a memorial? How do we approach this? Do we send out a letter? So I just defaulted to the family. Do you want us to send this information out, yes or no? And that gave me my answer crystal clear. So with this, let's contact the family. So David had a conversation with the boy's father. Tell us about kind of that. Yeah, well, first he, he just, uh, he was so appreciative that I, that I called because um, he acknowledged that it would be easy for you to not call because he didn't need my, I didn't need his permission. And, and all that, um, and he, it wasn't an easy answer for him, so we, we kind of talked it through, and in the end, it was that about other students that, you know, like, like Ryan shared, um, at no time did they want publicity, but they absolutely wanted their child to have a healthy, normal life experience at Arcadia High School, and they said, he said, if, if we can cause that for other students around the country, then absolutely, you know, of course, upholding confidentiality and all that, which we did, so. So then we decide, so we talk to the family, go ahead and do it, let's help other students. So then our process starts of how do we proceed with this? So first we're putting together talking points and our messaging. So we're going through an exhaustive list of what we wanna get out there, what we wanna say, what we don't wanna say. We're gonna do a mock interview. So I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna be Diane Sawyer, you're gonna answer the questions. I actually have a video clip I'm gonna show you of that. We're gonna analyze that interview. Did you put on the wig? Did you do the questions ahead of time? No, but being a reporter myself, I kind of can, predict at least some of the questions of what he's going to be asked. Um, so that's kind of the role I play a lot as a devil's advocate. Well, what happens if they ask you this? A lot of people are like, well, they're not gonna ask that. I go, I would ask that. So you better be prepared to answer that. Negotiating the terms of the interview, what control can you have? And I remember going back and forth with Claire, being a journalist, I knew they wouldn't give us editorial rights and all that, but I asked for it, because why not? And they really wanted him in this piece so bad that they were willing to fly out to Arcadia and do it. Remember, they're based in New York and they're bringing in part of this segment that you'll see. They brought in different perspectives from all over the country and they wanted him in it so bad that they're like, we'll do it in Arcadia, make it easy for you. So that's how it ended up being at our board member's house. So we had to figure out what in that interview could we control. Um, we got to know the case, we got to know 1266, we got to know our board policies, we got to study that left and right. And when I say we, I mean he has to do that. <laughs> Prepare for all scenarios, all those questions. And then this is where people, they sometimes don't realize all this, but my, I guess my journalism background helps. We're going to have makeup for you, you need to get a haircut. The awkward conversation, and this is not because he doesn't have beautiful, great white teeth. <laughs> it's because I know Diane Sawyer is going to have Clorox bleach teeth, and in comparison to her, 
You might not look so good, so let's look our best. Boss. You got so I'm driving home that day, and I tell my wife, "We got to stop at you know CVS. I got to get some teeth whitening." Like, what the heck? And it's like, I don't know. Ryan wants me. So oh, I told you that for years, but because Ryan. <laughs> 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 okay. I, I, you know, I laugh when he put it in here. The fact of the matter is, it demonstrates the level of detail this guy has on my back. But it also is the vulnerability of our relationship that, like, I trust. It's like, that's what you need me to do. You're, you're, you're just trying to make me look good. That's part of it. You know? It also demonstrates how awesome he is and secure in his self that he allowed me to put that on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then we got to notify people. They can't just turn on ABC 2020 and see our superintendent on there talking about transgender students. So we got to craft a letter to our community, our staff, our board, anyone that may see this. Um, and let them know, and I love what you said this last time we talked about it, let them know the why are we doing this, yeah. the why behind it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge with the staff that, that single-handedly the teachers, the support staff, were doing amazing things for kids without a playbook. We were figuring this out. This was before everyone had all the resources and that their heart was in the right place. We've made a difference with a life, and it's a story that we should share. You, you, you know, the moral compass is that we, are, we represent all kids, not just Arcadia kids. And that why meant all the difference to staff. It was like, okay, I, I get it. Now, I wrote it believing, too, that I'm prepping for, you know, because it could go really bad, right? So, yeah. so when we're going back preparing for this, presentation story I actually found our initial talking points with the edits in there and so this was such a detailed process we wanted to do this but we obviously wanted to do it right to help more students and to get our narrative out there so we craft these initial talking points um, and you'll see the notes we go back and forth you know can't say these students yeah. that may sound impersonal it's not that you meant anything by it but it just may be perceived uh, as categorizing it, because exactly. I was told that a while ago yeah. about the wording I use sometimes, <clears throat> and these makes it sound like those ones over there. That exactly. Like, yeah. And, and, and it's just ignorance, right? I didn't. I, I wasn't deliberately doing that, but I needed someone to say you can't say that, yeah. and that's not okay. And then we reiterate, you know, when you're talking, just say from my experience, not to, you know, preach or teach to others. Let's just say from my experience. Um, Dave, <laughs> David had a, a great talking point line about um, kids don't yeah. care. Yeah, what I take away from that is our kids care more about what is in a person's heart than what kind of plumbing they have. <laughs> so hey, that's a great sentiment, but let's delete no plumbing, use anatomy instead. <laughs> but this is part of the process. I mean, this, this is pages long. We got to go through every word and make sure it comes off like how we want it to be portrayed. Um, so then we do the mock interview. All right, I'm sitting down. I'm Diane Sawyer. You're Dr. Manalis Dahl. No friendly greetings. Let's get into this. And this is just a short minute and a half, a couple clips of this. But you start to see the process unfolding um, kind of even in this first mock interview. So just kind of First question for you, what led to you and your district being involved with the Department of Justice, getting involved with how you were, you were dealing with transgender students, and what were you guys doing wrong? 
Well, for starters, it was six years ago, so uh, although a lot, there's a lot being discussed right now, it was uncharted waters um, when we first became involved with a uh, transgender student. Tommy plays on the football team. You know him. He says hello to you every day. Comes to you and says, I want to be called Rachel, and I want to use the women's restroom. Yeah. How does that work? Well, that's a misconception that a lot of people have, and I'm call that I, I get a lot <coughs> Very early on in our partnership with the Department of Justice, um, we made it very clear that, that we're very fortunate that our students, and I don't think it's specific to our students, I think it's kids in general today, our students, they're more concerned about what's in their friend's heart um, than what's in their anatomy. And I really believe that. I think we can all learn from that. So you see the process starting to unfold, starting to work. We changed the talking points. You nailed that. And I made this so uncomfortable for him. We're in the corner of my office. I got two lights there. I have Amber recording. Standing like this far away. I tell Amber, if she tells you to sit down, don't sit down. I just wanted to make it uncomfortable, awkward, because if that situation comes up with Diane Sawyer in the filming, he's used to it. He's been in that situation, and he still knows his talking points um, and going through the process. So then we have the preparation checklist. Um, again, it's a similar to the process. Watch the mock interview. We watched that. That was actually the mock interview goes on for about a half hour. Watch the whole thing, analyze it, review our talking points, AB 1266, finalize the attire, what you're going to wear, uh, teeth whitening. Again, and these are my this is my actual checklist. Diane will have Clorox like uh, teeth. Uh, finalize location, sweat cloth or tissue. You know, in case you're sweating, it's hot outside. Let's get be prepared for that bring backup makeup, you know, we'll put some on, you need to look good, we'll have that for you. Um, practice again. We talked a lot about the clothes too, because you don't want to be a suit on national TV, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, just a full-on suit, so it was like, how casual can you get but still get away with it, so. So then, jacket and slacks. <laughs> so then the big day comes, uh, March 21st, 2017. And so it's a big, they want it to be like a big backyard barbecue where all these people from across the country with different opinions on transgender students in schools come together. So at first we got the call, we thought it was David, Diane, one-on-one, -on -one, but it's this whole thing. And part of the negotiation process I had with the producer was, I don't want crazy people from across the country yelling and screaming at my superintendent, we gotta defend ourselves, and it's just this Jerry Springer on national TV to get ratings, like we're not gonna be a part of that. One other thing they wanted is, will you provide a parent that opposes your view? Hell no, we're not gonna talk, provide a parent that opposes our view and be on national TV and fight with one of our own parents. So this process went back and forth with the producers about who's gonna be involved, who's not gonna be involved. I don't know if Ryan's gonna share, but this was up till midnight the night before. So we know Diane's already in town, right? So starting the next morning, I'm supposed to be there and we're collecting. At midnight, I see, an, uh, I'm carving on an email from Ryan to the producer that says, we're done, we're backing out. Superintendent will not be there in the morning if you can't agree to this. No way. And so I don't know what he's been doing. I'm just going, are you kidding me? I told him, my, my mom thinks I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> back out now. Ryan sent me back a text, and he's like, it's part of negotiations. They need you. It will work. <laughs> so it was a big process, and they, they, we had some power in this because they wanted him so bad. Again, this is in Arcadia. All these people are nowhere from near Arcadia. 
ABC 2020 their entire career. They're based in New York. So we knew we had some power, and we, we wanted it done right. Um, and it's one of the big things. Was, no, we're not arguing back and forth with our own Arcadia parents on national TV. That's not going to happen. Um, so any anyway, so it's this big shoot. Um, Caitlyn Jenner shows up. Did not know that was going to happen either. They kind of surprised that on us as long as the negotiations went and tell us what's going to happen. Um, did not know that. Uh, we had she our, just happened to be in the neighborhood. Yeah, she was just in the neighborhood. <laughs> she was there as a barbecue. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So uh, then the promos start airing. And this is when it's like, oh, my God, that happened. That's right. It's actually going to air on national TV. There's going to be millions of people watching it. So we start to get nervous. You see me stalking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody say something. I'm right there. <laughs> so it's just like, and then people in our community start to know, but we had to send out the message. So when they see this, they like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I know why they're doing it. Um, and then, so this is 10 minutes, nine minutes actually. And this is the segment that aired as an hour long special. And uh, they did this entire piece. Um, Caitlyn Jenner, The Secrets of My Life, a Diane Sawyer special. Good evening. It was almost exactly two years ago this week that a famous American had a stunning announcement. Olympian Bruce Jenner said that inside there had always been a woman in brain and soul. And it sent a lot of us hurtling into a maze of questions about what is gender, what is sexuality. At that time, Jenner and I agreed to meet again to see if the personal journey ahead would be what she imagined. Since then, there's been a rumor she's so unhappy she wants to transition back, and of course all that seismic political change in a polarized nation. So a note now before we begin, when Caitlyn Jenner's book, The Secrets of My Life, refers to Bruce, it uses the pronoun he, and so will we. As we head off to California to check in again. Coming up, a backyard barbecue. A controversy and a lot of parents taking sides. That's what I was told last year. That the kids need to get over it, that they need to get comfortable, that they get over it. That's their right also. In walks Caitlyn Jenner. Nice to meet you. What happens here? And what happens when a new president enters the fray? Caitlyn Jenner has agreed to show up at a backyard barbecue. We've gathered together people on all sides of a national controversy, whether transgender students should get to choose their bathroom and locker room. Some of these parents say yes, others say they have deep concerns about that and feel they don't often get to express their views. You want me to tell my story? Yeah, I do. Okay. This is Holly, who tells the group about the day her son, a ninth grade student, came home from school after someone was in the locker room. The first thing he said was, Mom, I've got bad news. Bad news? He said, she's always been a girl. She's never been a boy. And now all of a sudden, she comes back for the se second semester and says she's a boy, and she's using the boys' locker room. Holly is a devout Mormon. There are certain things that the religious community holds dear, and modesty and privacy, that's that's one of those things. They're never, ever going to be okay with their daughter in an open locker room changing in that locker room. They're never going to be okay with that. Beth agrees it's about modesty. She's a Christian who says that religious people often feel unfairly judged. They are haters and bigots. Teresa and her husband Bo say it's not just the parents. Teresa coaches girls' high school athletic teams. One of my juniors said, Coach, I don't know if I can handle it. 
I don't know if I can handle it. There's always this fear of something new, something unknown. Carlos says this sounds familiar. And my white college basketball team, they didn't want to dress with me. I would go and dress somewhere else. But Corinne thinks this is different. You can't go into a locker room one day and say, you know, I'm going to be African-American today and tomorrow I'm not. If history has taught us anything, is that separate is never equal. And that's what's scary to me. That Jenny and others here think that separating out transgender kids yeah, is just unkind. I have a son and a daughter. My daughter's seen my son naked a lot of times. She's not traumatized. Shouldn't be a threatening thing. That's what I was told last year that the kids need to get over it, that they need to get comfortable, that they get over it. And then, the most famous transgender person in the world arrives. Hi, Caitlin, nice to see you. You told the group she might come. You were one of my heroes growing up. You and I are both Republicans, by the way, that's a great thing, and we're both men of faith. Other women of faith, excuse me, other, that's another issue sometimes. It, it's okay, pronouns, I don't get all upset. It's fine, it's fine, I, I get it, I get it. Let me ask you this question, because you are a person of faith. From your standpoint, as far as faith, how do you see this issue? I think that, you know, Pope Francis said it best, who are we to judge? Caitlin invites the parents to ask her anything. Transgenders are born transgenders, or do they develop as transgenders some point in life? What are your thoughts on that? Everything I have seen, you're born this way. And then she surprises the group by saying something about which people have attacked her the most harshly. Out of all of the negative mail I got, especially at the beginning, was from people of faith. That is horrible, especially coming from people who profess to believe in God. Holly says and that has to change. And notes when she went public asking for separate stalls for kids in locker rooms. I also was the recipient of unspeakable hate mail and death threats. It, it was just absolutely horrible. I think that we need to come to a point where we say, we're not going to agree on everything, but for heaven's sakes, quit bullying. And then there is someone who weighs in saying it's possible to find common ground across this national divide. He's Dr. David Benazdal, superintendent of the Arcadia Public Schools in California. And he says the real issue is making privacy available for all kids. And that means practical solutions. The second we were able to get all the attorneys out of the room and remind ourselves what we do best. His schools have nearly 10,000 students. A few years ago, after parents and teachers decided to talk together, the school now has some gender-neutral bathrooms, which he says are freely used by all kids. And across the country, in the locker room, some schools use inexpensive curtains for those who are transgender and those who are not. I've been six years, multiple students that are managing themselves with our behind-the-scenes support without impacting any students. It's been very successful. And do you have any parents objecting? No. No, we don't. And the Nazdal says the students have responded with friendship for their transgender classmates. Which should tell us adults something that they care more about what's in the heart than the anatomy. From this backyard, a lesson in respect for a contentious and polarized nation. Back at our barbecue, it is time for Caitlin to say goodbye. I want to thank everybody. Thank you so much. When I tell the group I'm heading off to interview parents of transgender kids, some of them decide to come with me to the nearby coffee shop. Nice to meet you. Dr. Benazda was greeted by a woman who says her transgender son was in one of his schools and thanks him for his open heart. We start by hearing family stories. Jody told about her little girl who knew something was not right at the age of three. People think at three years old that's just not possible. But my kid at three said it. 
everyone thinks I'm a girl and I'm not. And I said, however you feel is fine. And then Penelope said, no, I don't feel like a boy, Mama. I am a boy. <laughs> That's as, as clear as it gets. Parents Danielle and Steven say, like a lot of people, they were rocked when their nine-year-old boy started asking about a sex change. And I remember walking out and going into our bedroom and going, oh my God, uh, oh, my, oh my goodness. Marsha confides she used to believe that being transgender was a choice. Until her daughter said she was a boy and fell into a terrible depression at not being understood. Marsha says, think of these kids just trying to use a bathroom. Somebody called security on him, and so they took him out, they put those twist ties on, you know, those zip ties on him, um, until he could prove that was the restroom that he was supposed to go into. I'm sorry that you're uncomfortable. I don't want you to be uncomfortable, but I don't want my baby to kill herself. And Gina says, for every parent, nothing is more compelling than your anguished child. Suicidal, extremely depressed, was hurting himself. Finally, finding happiness. When he learned about being transgender, it was like this light went off of him. And that's what he was. She's happy now. She's oh, a much. She's a, everybody says it. For the first year, in about three or four years, she wanted to have a big birthday party. He is a karate champion. He goes to karate tournaments twice a year and wins. He does math. He's probably the giddiest kid in the family. He talks the most. One parent from our barbecue asks how she can help. What can our children do to be more supportive of your children in the school scene? I think, I mean, that's the greatest place to start. Yeah. Meet them. Meet the people who aren't like you and get to know them as people, as human beings. I so appreciate all the people who are here that want to hear these stories. Because as a mother, this is the kind of hope that I get. That's what bridges this gap. You have a choice every day to operate from fear, and that sends you one direction, or to operate from possibility and hope and opportunity, and that sends you on another path. So that was the segment that aired. And I think what Dr. Manalstall said kind of summed up this entire process, this all of this stuff that we do, being vulnerable and helping students, but you have a choice every day to operate from fear, and that sends you in one direction, or to operate from possibility, hope, and opportunity, and that sends you on another path. We could have easily operated out of fear and said, let's not do this. There's so many things that could go wrong, but once you consider the possibility of being a part of, of a productive conversation, helping more students, it was just, just such an amazing, amazing experience and opportunity to be in. And this, by the way, was not in our talking points. He went off script. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know you nail it when they end the segment on that. Um, and it was just an amazing, amazing job. So then the narrative starts to change. We're out here at 1055, so I'm going to go through this a little bit quick, but you remember the press release from the Department of Justice and how negative that was, all the stories coming out um, that we did not like to see, and it was not telling the entire story of just how hard our teachers, our staff was working to do everything. You remember Marsha that was Damn. in the story? We didn't know she, she was going to be there either. <laughs> didn't know she was a parent, so we're about to walk in, and he goes, 
by the way, one of your parents, I know I told you none of your parents were going to be here, but we were not really going to go to the coffee shop anyway, but one of your parents is inside. Just want to let you know, David like has a foot in the door already. It's like, you can't turn around now, but it was Marsha who happens to be a freelance writer for the Huffington Post <laughs> and who says um, how an educator helped my trans son find his greatness um, and writes this amazing article about <clears throat> what he did for her son um, in high school. And it was just like, you know, when you go back thinking about the narratives, um, but this is a story that wasn't being told. You notice our voice is never in any of those early stories because we just <coughs> didn't get involved at the time. Um, so it ends with, and it's this amazing emotional article, but it ends with a picture of David and Aiden back in 2006 him being there, being the supportive, amazing person that he is. Uh, and I just love how this ends. And I hope that one day you'll know the ripple effect of your actions, just like Superintendent Vanazdal learned that his belief in my son created a path for Aiden to find his greatness. None of this happens without us taking the risk to do that first interview with the Associated Press. And I'll add that to this day, because obviously the biggest risk was polarizing our community. We we're about a half Democrat, half, you know. Republican, and so sometimes you can't win orders. Um, so uh, the biggest fear never came out, and that was that someone would be polarized. In fact, to this day, I'm not saying it's not out there, but I'm all right with it out there. I just tell me you can talk about my back. Just um, but to this day, I still sit down at a, in our theater for a play, and there's some community member that will say, "I've never got to tell you, but I was proud of us. I, was, I, I watched the 2020." I saw the differing views, and I just was proud of Arcadia and our stance that this is about kids and learning. This isn't a political issue in our schools. And that was like, that's, that's why we did it. So. so we appreciate all of you guys being here and your willingness to learn, to help students further, and just to listen to our story. And hopefully it helps you and your schools and your students. Um, that's what David did it for. And uh, we'll leave you with this quote that David said, and uh, have just a minute or two if you have any questions, but thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it.